0: Ladies and gentlemen, the commercials. So, Dave, how was your little drive to Brooklyn today? It was
1: okay. It was a little bit of traffic. You know, it kind of took a little long, but uh, it was fine. Yeah, you have to go over the George Washington, right? Yeah, I have to go over the George Washington Bridge. I got to go on the FDR Drive. and Then I gotta do, there's another bridge right, I got to take on. Right, the yeah. Williamsburg.
0: Yeah, I got to right. cross the
1: Williamsburg Bridge. You know, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it yeah. takes some time getting from Jersey to Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, you know, I got to say, dude, I really don't appreciate it. I'm sorry, what?
1: I don't appreciate the fact that you live in New Jersey. You're criticizing me for living in New Jersey.
0: Yeah, because uh, we do this every week here, and it's kinda
1: inconvenient for me to have to wait for you to drive all the way here. It's inconvenient for you- That's right. To be able to walk to the show, whereas I have to drive upwards of two hours to get to the studio so that we could do the show. How is that inconvenient for you? Did I stutter? You're actually blaming me because I'm doing all the driving to get here so that we could do this, so that all you have to do is walk to the studio. That's right. You're getting on my case because I am doing
0: the driving. Dave, you know, you can pontificate all the fuck you want. My point is, I don't appreciate it. It's very inconvenient. How is that
1: inconvenient for you, for me to do all the driving? You know I really don't like your tone right now. Well, you just... uh, You absolutely attacked me for absolutely no reason. Well, well, fine. Fine. How do you want to resolve this, asshole? No, no. Don't even call me names right now, because I am absolutely disgusted with you right now for getting on my case for this. I think you're being really unreasonable. I'm being unreasonable. I drive two hours to get here so that you can just walk to the studio so we can do the show from Brooklyn. Dude... Just talk to the hand, okay? Because the face has stopped listening. Oh, now you're using cliches from the 90s? This is how we're going to have conversations. Well, if that's what you're going to say, I only have one thing to say to you. Oh, yeah. what's that? This. Oh, no, you didn't. Yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah Oh. God. Do 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 Bite me. Yeah 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 I can't believe you. yeah 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 yeah
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah you're right man I'm sorry no dude it, it was me that was wrong commercial the
2: commercial the commercial commercials commercials Commercials. commercial the commercials commercials
0: commercial 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 the commercial commercials. 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 Commercial. Commercial. Yeah. Commercial. The commercial 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 commercial. commercial
1: commercial 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 Studio 6C in the mean streets of Brooklyn, New York. You are listening to the Commercials Free Podcast on the commercials.tv and the magic of iTunes. My name is Dave D. Kanin. And this is Ken Pond. And we are here with just another spectacular edition of our little podcast. Ken, how you doing?
0: I'm doing all right, Dave. How are you?
1: I'm doing just fine, thanks. It's so good to hear from you.
0: Isn't it good to hear from you?
1: It is good to hear from everybody. In fact, uh, we're just thrilled because we have got a great guest coming up.
0: Speaking of hearing from people,
1: tell them about our guest, Dave. Oh, we have got somebody. I I keep referring to it all this week uh, as Hollywood royalty, basically. Basically? Basically. We have actor-director Juliet Landau coming on the show. Now, Mm. you may know her from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer or... Um, Angel. uh, Angel, the spinoff, where she uh, played on both shows, Drusilla. That's right. A very popular cult character Mm -hmm. on those Mm -hmm. shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, You may know her from the movie Ed Wood. That's right. Uh, She's done a ton of TV and movies and and has been around for a long, long time. Beautiful and talented person. Absolutely. You may know, actually, her as uh, the daughter of not just Martin Landau, the Oscar winner from Ed Wood, uh, but her mother is Barbara Bain, both of whom... Tremendous actors in their own right. That's and, right. Uh, uh, we are just thrilled. She's got a project coming up, her directorial debut, Take Flight. Right. Uh, we're going to have her explain it a little bit more. But basically, she directed the making of video for a music video directed by Gary Oldman.
0: That's right. Another tremendous actor. for the For the hip-hop band... Chutzpah.
1: Chutzpah. The Jewish hip-hop band, Chutzpah. Right, and there's some very unique aspects of this music video. Uh, we'll let her tell us about it, but yeah. she... Uh, we don't
0: want to spoil the treat.
1: No, there's plenty to be uh, d- uh, talked about when she comes on the show, and yes. we don't want to... Well, just stick around. Listen to yeah. the whole show. Listen to and the, and the whole yeah. show. But we're excited she's on the show, and uh, it's gotten us into a bit of a science fiction-y... We're in a science fiction-y mood. ...frame of mind because of it. We are. Because of her relationship to... Uh, Angel and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Not
0: only that, we'll
1: talk to
0: only... Uh... Well, you know,
1: I, and I may probably mention this to her later because it's maybe my only chance to uh, relay the message to her father. But as as you may have heard me say, my name is Dave... T! Koenig. Right. Uh, and, and if you're not familiar with that last name, it's K-O-E-N-I-G. Now, growing up with that last name, not exactly the easiest thing in the world.
0: Well, I know from my experience, because we grew up in the same neighborhood... Yes. Was you know, and we, your brother was in school with me, and you were mm-hmm. in school with me. Yes, we all both went to the same elementary school and, and high and high school. That's correct. And you know, you see your name written out before you you learn to pronounce it, mm-hmm. and so I always thought your name
1: was Dave Koenig. That's what because most. That's people what it say.
0: looks like.
1: Yes, it's yes. sort of. I mean, was, some people see the O E mm-hmm. in Koenig and 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 ignore the fact that there's an E there. And that the pronunciation may be slightly different than what they may be familiar with. So they immediately say Koenig. And it's, I understand it. And there are, in fact, people in the United States of America who have the same last name Mm -hmm. who do choose to pronounce it Koenig. But for my entire life, the pronunciation has been Koenig. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been sort of my, you know, cross to bear. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had the conversation where somebody says to me, What's your name? And I say, Dave Koenig. And they say, What? I said, Koenig. They say, What? They say, I say Koenig, and they say, what? And I say, K-O-E-N-I-G. And then they say, oh, Koenig. Like, I don't know how to pronounce like my own you, last yeah, name. Because
0: like if you're, you've got to be wrong, spell yeah, it, and I'll yeah. tell you what it's supposed to be.
1: So I owe Martin Landau, among a, a couple other people I'll, I'll, I'll get into, a debt of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Martin Landau, Juliet Landau's father, very, very successful actor. Was on a series called Space nineteen ninety nine. That's and that right. Was uh, back in I think nineteen seventy five. Uh, actually, it started in uh, nineteen seventy five and ran through nineteen seventy eight. Had a bit of a short run, but it was a, a critically acclaimed show, yes. a bit of a cult hit um, in its own right. Even though uh, it, it didn't quite catch on the way, so let's say Star Trek did around the oh, same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it didn't. I think it it suffered from being caught in between uh, Star Trek and. Uh, like Star Wars. So it kind of fell in between those two projects. That's
2: true, yeah. More yeah, or less. You know,
0: Star Trek was much earlier. It was definitely following in the footsteps of a space adventure.
1: Right, right. And, I, and probably, I imagine, like Star Trek in, in the beginning was canceled early. Right. And uh, space as a genre wasn't seen as something that was terribly profitable. And I'm wondering.
0: Not viable, no. No,
1: I'm wondering how much that hurt it. And it wasn't until like 2001 Space Odyssey and then later on Star Wars right. that those. That genre was going to make money, you know. Right. Um, So I I think Space 1999 is kind of one of those forgotten classic sci-fi shows. And the reason I have such an affinity for it is because Martin Landau played a character on that show named Commander John Koenig. And I, as a young child, was able to look on TV and see my last name being portrayed on TV. And for me, that was like justification for everything. Yeah, and Absolutely. he's the captain. And I had the doll. You had the doll. I did. I had the space nineteen ninety nine, Commander John Koenig doll. Mm. I mean, they, I mean, I don't know of any Pond characters out there, but if, if there you imagine- aren't
0: really any, and to be honest with you, I haven't had the woes you've had in, in nameral pronunciation. I,
1: I, I would think so because
0: Ken. Well, first of all, what most people think mm-hmm. when they hear my name before they meet me, yeah, they think I'm Asian.
1: That's interesting,
0: Ken Pond. Because it That's sounds very like, interesting. yeah, yeah, like like very short, one syllable, Ken Pond.
1: I guess so, but know? like the ND thing would. I mean, I I, I kind of like well, I'm so, a fan of this kind of thing. But. Well,
0: <clears throat> I mean, it's first of all the easiest name in the world to spell: K E N P O N D. Yeah, you can't get that wrong. And the only time I've ever heard it misconstrued or mispronounced is, you know, like in the elementary school we went to, there was like this big cafeteria mm-hmm. and then you went through like this other room that was like the line for yeah, the food. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, some kids paid with cash, but they had, like, you could have like an, a, a tab or something. Right. Your right. Parents, right. You know, so you'd have to worry of, about exactly the kids, the kids money, the kids and kids money and getting really, lost. Exactly. Stuff. And they would call your name on the line, you know, mm. to check off that you got your lunch. And for some reason this, Old lunch lady refused to get my name right every day. It was like the next on the ticket is Ken Pound. What? Ken Pound, <laughs> and I'm like, I was know, that Mrs. Let's... Garrett? No, 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 no not, not her. What? What from from um, the facts of life? No, 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 no. <gasps> oh, that's right. We had a Mrs. Garrett. We had a we? Mrs. Garrett. No, no. It was a very obscure, possibly homosexual woman. Now that you know, it's funny. You think back on those people and like. Whoa where did those people come from yeah, worked yeah, in they, that they were lunch like, place?
1: They showed up, You know, they yeah, vaporized they at the end of the day, and then they recon... Right, sp- like, and they yeah. were
0: like they were like characters from the Honeymooners, the way they spoke. They were like, <laughs> do you want extra potatoes? Because we got
1: <laughs> potatoes, we got peas, <laughs> but that peas ain't so fresh. Now, because, I mean, we're talking sort of an inside joke, but it's, it's very simple to explain who we're talking about. There was a woman named Mrs. Garrett who was sort of like the head of the lunchroom Right
0: and she the supreme wore, commander. Yeah,
1: she and she was probably. I mean, I, how do you guess ages when you're that young? But I, I would to say she was like a hundred. Yeah, but she no. But she, I thought she was more of in her forties in her because she had jet black hair, and she. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. So she was maybe like a little older than our moms, maybe by like ten years, but mm-hmm. not as old as the lunch ladies.
2: Yeah, who right. tended
1: to be gray haired and such. Who happened to be archaic in age. Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. Now, now Mrs. Garrett, or Miss Garrett, I can't remember which one it was, but she would wear, like, tight purple sweaters mm-hmm. and tight, like, Gatano jeans oh, God. and high heels. And she would. She had, like, this like really way, way too dark tan for her own good. That's right. And she would stand by this panel that had a microphone in it attached to the PA system within the cafeteria. Right. So she was responsible for making everybody shut up <laughs> And then dismissing table by table. That's right. And she would say, all right, now you can go. Table 12, you can go. Table 13, you are being too loud. Table 14, you can go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what my favorite Mrs. Garrett... Function, yeah, because she had more than one function. She wear more many, many hats in that institution. <laughs> she she had a lot
1: of responsibility.
0: Do you remember her in the eighties when <laughs> <laughs> she she had a, she had her hands full dismissing those goddamn tables. That was a lot
1: of tables too. That was a lot of tables. Grades K I mean, through just, six. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, you know, it's really really funny how one of her other assignments was. Do you remember when they were rebuilding or re you know uh, capitulating? Recapitulating, uh, yes, the yeah, school. It makes yes, a lot of sense. Yes. No, 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 the oh. the Statue of Liberty.
1: Oh, okay, yes. So they were the recapitulating 80s, they were, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, 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 which
0: makes no sense. They were rebuilding no. it, restoring it too because yes, yeah, it was damaged, right? Yeah. And what they were doing was they had what's called a box top drive, okay? Okay. Now that's when you like, on certain participating cereals, you know, breakfast cereals, you pull off the top and mm-hmm. you bring it into your school and you put it into a box and that, you know, the 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 breakfast cereal company donates like five dollars
1: okay yeah yeah, or something like that yeah yeah, so
0: she would be in charge in the morning of announcing how that was going okay and i just it stuck etched in my head forever because her pronunciation was something really left much to be desired she she was like south shore long island to the max she was like and now the announcement for this Statue of Liberty box. <laughs> box tops. She's like, the most box tops have come from Mrs., you know, Chiva's seventh grade some, some fourth grade class having the most box tops box tops. Of 52. Our goal for the weeks. Is to have a hundred and fifty box tops, and I'm like, oh my god! It's like she's doing a routine. Yeah. she's saying box tops so many times, you know. So it was, she was like getting paid for the box top mention. <laughs> she was getting kicked back per, per mention of box tops, but I'll never forget that box
1: tops, box top. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I'll tell my favorite Mrs. Garrett story. Oh, uh, it's also one of my favorite uh, Dave Gets in Trouble stories. Oh, wow. Okay, so I think it was in like, let's say second grade. And uh, as as young men are want to do, uh, given idle time and idle things to throw, right? they will begin to throw things. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> it is inevitability. It is an inevitability. A force of and nature, if you will.
1: Someone at the school in the food area decided that the ideal snack to give kids for dessert was was uh, peanuts and prunes. <laughs> that is and child abuse. These, these were met with the kind of response you'd expect. Right. Prunes the- and... <laughs> Peanuts to be met with the peanuts. Maybe we're eating the prunes. We're chucked. <laughs> we're
2: chucked. Because <laughs> what child kids? eats a fucking prunes? <laughs> now
1: I was not a bad kid. I was kind of like I didn't want to get in trouble because I was worried about my parents getting mad at me. And I was always kind of like, you know, right. I was kind of you know I, I tried to play it straight and narrow. But you know, peer pressure happens. Sure, and you get <clears> kind <throat> of excited and you get caught up in the <clears throat> moment and you start chucking, you start chucking prunes. <laughs> Thing leads so, to another, right? Right, so um, <laughs> nobody actually threw at anything at anything of note, um, until I don't know if it was me or somebody else threw one that hit this kid, Peter, in the back of the head, and his head snapped around real quick. Okay, next thing I knew, Mrs. Garrett had her, you know. She was wearing the hat of the uh, the, the the warden, right? The she, warden hat. Right. Yeah, she came around and is like, okay, I'm writing you all up for detention. <laughs> and she had her little pad that like described things. She's like, just give me your name, and I was like, Dave, Dave what? Koenig what? Koenig what? K o e n i g Oh Koenig. <laughs> All right, so you were, tell me what yes, you're doing. The queen of pronunciation yes. tells you yes, yes. how to pronounce your name. So what did you, you? Let me. Okay, this is what I'm writing down. You tell me this is right. Okay, I was. You were throwing plums. <laughs> were you throwing plums?
0: <laughs> in a court of law, the case would be dismissed
1: because you were not, in fact.
2: <laughs> Throwing bombs.
1: <laughs> not, not anymore, technically. So, I, so she writes me up, and I get detention. And this is on a um, this is on a Friday. And I I got home, and my mom's like, "How's today?" And I was like, oh, "It's not so good." I don't want to talk about I don't it. Talk about it. <laughs> so, and then the whole weekend came, and I heard nothing about it. Okay. And I was like, maybe it just got brushed under the carpet, it slipped through the cracks. I got away with it. I got away with it. And so Monday goes. I go to sc- go through school, and I'm like, "Hey, everything's awesome." And then, like, we get to the point where we go to recess, and they're like, "You go to detention." So I didn't get to go outside for recess. I had to go to detention, and I'm like, "Okay, but at least my parents don't know about it." And I get home, and my mom's holding the letter that they sent home, oh, telling her what God happened, jinks. including the detail: <laughs> he was throwing plums. <laughs> he threw plums. <laughs>
0: You're like, and, Mom, I swear to holy Jesus. Wait, 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 I was wait, wait, not
1: throwing plums. Wait. All right, so oh, it gets better. So, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well it gets a little bit better. So um <laughs> so they my mom was all mad at me and she was, you know, saying, yeah, You're not supposed to do that, you could hurt somebody, right. you know. Typical stuff that a mom would say to a child. And my dad found out about it, he was mad at me, and, and they could tell I was just absolutely mortified about the whole thing. Sure, and I was. Sure. I felt horrible right. that I had done it and they knew mm-hmm. I had and they said, okay, you know, you couldn't watch Batman today but, you know, we think you've learned your lesson and, mm-hmm. you know, now you know not to, uh, you know, now you know what not to do and I'm like bawling and I'm like,
2: <laughs>
1: and, and, and really upset and and so my parents go, okay, we're, you know, you're off the hook, you know, you'll do your detention, whatever, and, and that'll be it and uh, they said, you know, it's kind of strange you decided to throw plums, but uh, good thing you weren't throwing prunes.
0: <laughs> uh, what do your parents have against throwing prunes? They just randomly brought that up? They were
1: joking. You mean they knew it, it wasn't plums? Th- no. They just said, <laughs> well, it's a good thing it wasn't prunes. <laughs>
0: And the irony is later. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have something that I have to say is not as good as that's the, the plum throwing story. Right. Because I mean that'll go down in my memory. I will laugh myself every time I hear I mean you write down what you're doing, okay? Plum. So do you agree? And she asks, like, do you agree with the do you concur with the report,
1: this official ass report that I'm filing? It's you were throwing plums. It's got ca- it's got carbon paper in the middle. <laughs> So it's going to several of this is recipients.
0: being faxed to the head office
1: <laughs> I have to get it
0: notarized first i had I had a friend in 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 uh grade school uh-huh. that you know the poor guy had diabetes okay and it's okay. rough I'm just gonna say you know it's really rough growing up with, with diabetes because you don't sure. you, you miss out on some of the things yeah. the other kids get to do. Absolutely. You know, you have to check, always check your blood sugar, especially back then in the eighties, things yeah. were not as sophisticated as they are now. Yeah, no, now it's like very really easy yeah, to regulate and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Well, his, his mother, my beloved auntie Margie, who will probably hear this and I know she'll laugh. Um, <laughs> God, I hope so. Um, <laughs> You know, when you go to a birthday party in grade school, mm-hmm. what's, like, one of the best effing parts of it? Oh, the cake. The cake and then... Ice cream? The goodie bags. Oh, the
1: go- oh okay, sure, The goodie
0: sure. bags. It's like Snickers. Yeah. It's M- like and the M's. party comes home with you. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, you don't, your parents don't give you that stuff right. in, in bags full. No, no, You no. Know? so It's, it's like, like Halloween mm, comes early. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like a parting gift that's awesome. <laughs> There's no turtle
1: wax in that bag.
0: <laughs> well... Okay, you know, I, I felt really bad that he had diabetes, but <laughs> this is where the butt comes yeah, in. Yeah, the butt there's kind of funny. Yeah, uh, but there's a limit to my appreciation of his situation because he would have birthday parties, and you know, we we do the festivities. There'd be a clown, a magician, maybe. Sure. But when we got the fucking goodie bags, it was raisins and like, not just raisins, you know, the worst raisins, the ones that are like translucent and yellowish, (laughs) those tangerines, which is basically like the shit of (laughs) (laughs) fruit. And dude... And dude, sugar-free candy. Oh. Now in the '80s, you know, sugar-free has come a long way. But yeah, like Splenda
1: has made yeah, 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 like, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or
0: uh, what's the thing? Called? What's sweet. A, no, it's it's the main ingredient. It's like, uh, uh, super little Super I don't know what is called. Anyway, it's a, it's an ingredient that tastes just like sugar. It doesn't matter. Steve. It's Steve. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, you know, it was back then, sugar-free candy was like taking medication it was like punishment almost it was
2: punishment yeah right
0: and i remember thinking you know i love ryan i think of him as as a cousin but why the fuck do we have to suffer because he's got freaking diabetes i don't have diabetes i go to the other kids do you guys have diabetes they'd be like no nobody here has fucking diabetes give us some fucking candy he can have he can have all of this and eat it to its heart's content. And I wish him well. But why do we have to suffer, you son of a bitch? And I have held on to that in my craw
2: for years.
0: You hear Ryan? You're on notice.
1: You won't Ken some candy, goddammit.
0: No, that was his mother's
1: decision. Oh, it's pro- yeah, probably Ryan didn't the one have that it needs on to pay. <laughs> <laughs> and she will pay dearly. <laughs> You are listening to the commercials Frank podcast on the commercials dot T V and the Magic of iTunes. Uh our, our science fiction uh spectacular. Right. Even though it took a little bit of a turn into the very real <laughs> and not science fiction at all.
0: <laughs> Do we mention all of these stories took place aboard a spaceship? Yeah, so aboard That's a, right, a right. Yeah, we spaceship. Saved it. Yeah, yes, we saved
1: it. that uh that held enough kids uh held enough people so that uh, you know, people had kids on them. <laughs> enough to create a grade school, K through six. Right. And uh, they found a South Shore woman <laughs> to be on a spaceship. Highly qualified woman. Somebody had to man the like, We're docking at spaceport. <laughs> Everyone get into your ports and prepare for shuttle docking. If you're going to recess and you're not in detention, get into the airlock. <laughs> We're we'll all going EVA.
0: It's a field trip. <laughs> EVA is an acronym for extravehicular activity, oh, very which was yeah. heavily used in 2001.
1: Uh, they said we've got
0: to go EVA on this one. Oh, a bit yeah, of like EVA, like to make yeah. it look like it happens all the time. For a second you know? there, I
1: thought you were using some kind of science fictiony uh, uh, um, uh, Rachel Ray kind of thing. What? You're not see you don't watch shows like that I and I don't do shows. Yeah, but I you know from from a from a pop culture standpoint Rachel Ray does the EVOO thing that you might have heard of. What the fuck is that? I think if we could if I had one wish in this world it would be to edit out the last 15 seconds of this show. <laughs> 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 anyway, back on the science fiction. Right, tip. right, right, right. Ken uh you may or may not know is uh I, I guess you'd have to call you, what is it, Trekkie or Tricker? Well, I actually am a Tre...
0: <laughs> you know what my dad said to me once? He said, son, you know, you have an unhealthy obsession with Star Trek. I guess that's how you'd say it. And then. I was like, what? Dude, I am not half as bad as those other idiots who, like, speak Klingon. No, yeah, you're And go, bad. I've never been... All right, I've been to one convention. And, and wear the up, uniforms boy. and... Uh, you know stuff like that yeah, I'm not yeah. that bad I enjoy it But I'm actually a child and student of all science fiction I right, enjoy it very right. much Very thoroughly well, um, Absolutely So yeah but but I am Yes I am what you would consider a Trekkie Trekkie
1: absolutely. and you prefer Trekkie to Trekker well, Yeah, you know, I really don't give a crap I don't know See, what that's, the distinction is that, that right is. there says that you are not The I most harsh, hardcore tr- and of
0: I don't understand it, To me it's tomato tomato
1: There you go and I think, I think that uh, says everything. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> You're not going to get involved in the whole Trekkie-Trekker debacle, and no, I think that's definitely important. definitely not. Um, speaking of Star Trek, by the way, I mentioned it before that there's a couple people who helped me out with my last name. Walter Koenig. That's right. There's uh, another played? guy He played Chekhov Anton Chekhov. Anton Che Anton Chekhov. That's his actual full character's name. Really, yeah. Anton Chekhov. I'll yes. be darned. Uh, well, he obviously is somebody I'm else. I'm just who... joking. That's
0: the author. yeah. I
1: thought so. I was like, man, yeah. they named him after. I was the just author. messing with you. So go on. See, go I'm on. not a trekkie or a trekker or even a trek. I know. Well, well, well. You
0: fell for it very well. That's it was why easy. I chose you. Yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, Walter Koenig is somebody else who. That's uh, right. Said, you know, whenever I say when people, I mean, because nobody knows Space 1999 necessarily, but know Star Trek and I say hey the guy who played Chekhov in Star Trek pronounces a Koenig and they're always like oh okay then it is Koenig right?" you know like I had to bring up Chekhov in order to right. you know have credibility for my own last name <laughs> um, but we all you know you being a, a, a lover of Star Trek things mm-hmm. uh, science fiction in general Star Trek in general in, in specific mm-hmm. um, which, which, which version of the show is, is your favorite oh for god's sakes Dave we don't have enough tape I mean seriously it's one of those things if
0: you get me started we don't use tape that was just an expression No I wasn't reacting You to No, that. because you l- I saw you look at our I, digital I, board I gave,
1: no, I gave and being the, like I, tape can Here's what I did here's, here's what I did which is the most like self-serving thing ever Yeah I gave the I gave, I gave the double take to the non-existent camera <laughs>
0: So I'm like, don't even get me started. And you mug like, get a load of Do you believe
1: this guy. <laughs> Whoa, I broke the fourth wall. And <laughs> <laughs> in, in a show where there are no walls at all. Yeah, you broke the second wall. Yeah. Um, what we need is like a, a like a, a subtract uh, a sub You know, so like a, a, a hidden track within this one <laughs> yeah that's so embedded
0: that, so you can make
1: sarcastic comments yeah, right like, i could break the fourth wall in, check in it audio out. terms this is where it gets nerdy here's where ken goes on and on about star trek <laughs> and it's gonna suck so you might want to hit the old fasty fasty
0: you know when i was a kid i was in such denial about being a, lo- a lover of science fiction and star trek that mm-hmm. i kept it such a secret when someone was like dude don't talk about star trek no, first of all, do you want girls to like you? Yeah, I want girls to like me. Right. Okay, no girls will like you, so keep that under wraps. Right. So it's like, I always imagine myself, like, don't be that 33-year-old guy that wears glasses and has <laughs> and has longish hair that he combs back mm-hmm. and a semi-beard mm-hmm. and talks avidly about Star Trek. Don't yeah. ever be that guy.
1: Yeah, it's funny what you, uh, you know...
0: The more you try not to do
1: something, prophecy. yeah. you, you a yeah. Because you know, Ken, um, you know, you may have seen his picture on the website, but uh, sitting across from here is is a 33-year-old uh, gentleman mm-hmm. uh, who has longish hair that he combs back. <laughs> He's wearing glasses and has a bit of, uh, you know, goatee-ish kind of a thing. I, ha- I fit the description of a,
0: the typical Star Trek
1: loser. And uh, when you're not, uh, when we're not taping this show, because we do delve into several different topics,
2: hmm.
1: Ken talks about Star Trek. Quite fervently I try not to Because uh, I feel like I'm burdening people with it well yeah because it's
0: like imagine something obscure that you're into and you keep talking about, well, I, don't me talk I, don't about I don't talk about, about.
1: baseball because I know you're not into it at all
0: yeah but if you were like dude okay so my new stamp collection I got one from Rutherford Long Island it doesn't <coughs> even exist anymore it's so rare it's well, worth wait, like wait 20 I bucks. just admitted
1: to my baseball obsession that I don't burden you with because I know you're I, but not into it I
0: don't know it. if baseball and a baseball obsession is necessarily something that makes you a lesser person it's all degrees you I know? guess so but you anyway know. the point is you asked me my favorites here. yes you're, uh, yeah I yeah. And, you know, to me, they're all different. They're all apples and oranges, but the, the main thing that holds everything together is was Gene Roddenberry's vision, which was that we are going to survive mm-hmm. and that we are going to become a better race, where there's no poverty, there's very little sickness, and we our goal will be to explore. The universe and better ourselves as a race. Mm. That was his message. And inside every little episode, he made sure there was a good story. Right. Now it is not like you don't watch Star Trek and be like, "What a breathtaking performance!" It
2: is kind (laughs) of
0: a disheveled, almost hackneyed way of 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 acting. Uh, Hackneyed
1: you know, way of acting. Acting. Yes. You know, it's
0: very dr- overly dramatic sometimes. Right. right, But what keeps people coming back to Star Trek is their knowledge and their love of the characters. Yes. That are created. Yes. And so it was a very character driven show. So I would have to say, you know, there's the original series, there's the next generation, which of course was excellent. You know, you've got Patrick Stewart. Oh, ben amazing Snyder, actors, yeah. Amazing actors. you got Deep Space Nine, which to me was like, eh, you know, it's supposed to be an adventure. It's supposed to be like every week you're exploring this new adventure. Deep Space Nine was about a station that just sat there. Mm. So they, like, they had to go to the, you Oh, know, so I didn't had, like
1: that as much. It was more, uh, <clears throat> what do you call it, uh, passive.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. And then you had <clears throat> Star Trek Voyager which was great because it was like the Star Trek's version take on Lost in Space. Okay. They're hurtled way across the galaxy and they're trying to get home. Ah, okay. And they don't know they know where they are, but it's going to take them like 70 years to get back. And then you have Captain Archer who is played by Scott Bakula,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which was uh, canceled and it was Star Trek Enterprise which the way they promoted it was like before Kirk, before Spark b- Spark.
1: <laughs> Let's call him Spark. DJ Spark. Sparky how yeah. different would that show have been <laughs> and they called the Leonard Nimoy S- Sparky Do a neutron scan but um
0: <laughs> it was it was you know Jonathan Archer was the first captain of the first experimental enterprise you okay. know and people didn't like it and i could see why because it's like dude it's like You have the next generation where there's, like, holodecks. You could, like, summon whatever you want. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and Mm -hmm. there's androids and holograms and all this cool stuff. Now you're taking us back to before Kirk, Mm. where it's like they could barely stand in the freaking ship. There were no (laughs) phasers. Like, it wasn't until season three that they got photon torpedoes. Who wants to see that after you've been exposed to all this stuff? So. That's really why it didn't have such a
1: such a great following. But I would have to say, so you ask a simple question, and the simple answer would be Star Trek Voyager.
0: Ah, no, 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 Star Trek Voyager, the next generation,
1: and the original series are my my absolute favorites. Okay, well, somebody, you know, I'm not somebody who's watched a lot of Star Trek, but I I did watch uh, Trekkies one and two. The documentary about you. Know, I've who never are seen fans. those. Yeah. I think you'd enjoy it a great deal. Right. A lot of funny uh, <clears throat> moments. Uh, very, very respectful of people who are fans, mm-hmm. but a lot of insight into what makes somebody so uh, uh, obsessed with a show like that. Yeah. And uh, what I did learn is what you said is that <clears throat> it's sort of like the uh, non-cynical version of uh, John Lennon's "Imagine" uh, played out as a series. That's into, right. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you know. A world mm. where it doesn't matter if you're uh, what color you are species and whatever that, you know, we're all part of the same thing and where you should all, we're all, coexist and exactly. all that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, that actually does resonate with me. And I think that's very cool. And <clears throat> you know, you watch her from the outset as sort of an outside observer and you don't catch that necessarily. No, no, it's don't. just a space show. No, um, So there is a hidden message between you know, beneath all of it. It is. If you look even closer Mm-hmm. There are even more hidden messages that do pop up from time to time. Apparently, and we're about to
0: explore one. Yes, indeed. In a very, very, very special, special segment that we hear at the Commercials Free Podcast at the TV and the magic of iTunes like to call Fun with the Google Voice.
2: It's a hopper and a chopper and a one, two, three. It's Google Voice for you
1: all right, this is fun with Google Voice a uh, very popular segment on the show, and mm-hmm. we are uh, always glad when we have a chance to do this. Mm. Um, can just explain what Google Voice is for anybody who may be listening to the show for the first time? Well, Google Voice is a free service offered us to And by the
0: folks, not to, just by the folks at uh, Google Incorporated. They give you a phone number that people can call. They could leave voicemails on there. They could text you there. And you could forward it to your phones. But the funny, awesome part of it that we exploit is the fact that when it transfers your voice into text, does a very... Poor job. So that's what we're going to explore here,
1: Star Trek style. That's right. We do have a the phone number that you can call three four seven eight two nine seven eight six five. And from time to time, we will take voicemails that we get at that number, mm-hmm. uh, play them, and then tell you how uh, well or not well. Google Voice translates the, the stuff that you hear in the message. But we decided to do something a little bit different this week in honor of this science fiction theme we have with our guest, Juliet Landau, and, and her family's history with science fiction programming. That's right. <clears throat> we, we decided to take a look at a special uh, clip, clip of the original Star Trek series starring Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner. Um, and, Walter <clears throat> and Walter Koenig. And Walter Koenig. And I almost said George. Uh, you almost did. George Takai. It's not like you hear that name uh, know, spoken right? loudly uh, every Kay. 30 seconds. Uh, Koenig. Walter Koenig and George Takai. And, uh, uh, and uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's DeForest Kelly. DeForest Kelly.
0: Who was originally a Western actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he went into that. And then there's James Dohan, who played Scotty. Correct. And, uh, yeah, the whole gang. So, uh,
1: this is a scene, gang. actually, the whole Eartha, gang. I, no, I hate when I, I say said Eartha shit Kitt. like that. That's Eartha, Kitt. Eartha Kitt. No, no. <laughs> I See, I was a Batman fan growing up. With Elizabeth Montgomery. Yes, right. Um, and Jerry <laughs> Mathers as the beaver.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Dick
1: York. No, who played who? Um, or, uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to get her name. Nichelle Nichols. Yeah, Nichelle Nichols. <clears throat> now, um, by
0: the way, related to Mike Nichols, who uh, directed the second very... Uh, the popular Star Trek movie. Is that Rath true? Khan. Yeah,
1: yeah. I didn't know they were related. Yeah. Uh, but
0: anyway, so... It's uh, weird because he's white and she's black. I don't know how they're
1: related. And uh, by the way, I, I could be wrong. <laughs>
0: and also, I could have just made that up.
1: Where so, do you go for the, t- the best information on podcast? Ken, um, um uh, Tell us about this. scene. This, yes. this is a, scene. This is a scene. Um, uh,
0: the the Enterprise, the original Enterprise, has been on assignment for a very long time. Everyone is really tired, and in this scene, which you can't see, uh, Captain Kirk complains about his back hurting, and a female officer comes and rubs it. But Captain Kirk thinks it's Spock rubbing his back for him.
1: So listen closely, and uh, we're playing you the audio from this scene, and you can probably picture what's going on. Uh, here is uh, that scene from Star Trek. <music>
3: Anything from the landing party? They should be sending up a report momentarily, Captain. Oh. Something wrong. I
1: kink in my back. That's it. A little little higher, please. Push. Push hard. Take it in there, have... Mr. Thank you,
2: Yeoman. That's sufficient. You need sleep, Captain. If it's not out of line... I just have, have enough can... of that from Dr. McCoy, Yeoman. Thank you. Dr. McCoy is correct, Captain. After what this ship has been through in the last three months, there's not a crewman aboard who's not in need of arrest. Myself accepted, of course.
1: The great William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. That's
0: right. Now, of course, what uh, Leonard Nimoy is referring to is mm. Vulcans can go extended periods without sleep.
1: Right. But that is probably not the thing that caught my eye from that particular scene. Um the, the, the idea being that... William Shatner, as Captain Kirk, sits down, complains about his back, and somebody starts rubbing his back. And, as you mentioned, he assumes that it's Spock. Right. And is kind of into it.
0: Right. And then it's awkward when he realizes it's a female. Right. Now, I mean, from what I know of Star Trek, it's highly inappropriate for a captain or anybody to be romantically involved or touch someone in that unprofessional way. On a starship,
1: yeah, You're not supposed to do. Even that. though there was that famous scene where Kirk and Uhura, you know, Dave kissed. First of all, listen,
0: remind. We have to remind everyone, and please remind yourself. To have some humility, you're not a Star Trek fan. You don't understand what happened in that episode. <laughs> I don't, and we're not going to get into it. They were all under the into influence it. of an alien substance that made them crazy. All right, fine. Okay? Fine. Everybody's
1: uh, forgiven right, on the so Star Trek. All right, so don't you uh, try Starship to Enterprise. go at me
0: about the Star Trek tops. Now, <laughs> as we, we, what we decided to do is run that scene through Google Voice. Right. Now, but Dave maybe, is going to do...
1: There, there is that meta message underneath that maybe there is some sort of romantic involvement between Kirk and... And Spock, and in fact, that may have been the impetus for an entire craze of internet fantasy pornography. Let's say, right, where you people would write stories about Kirk and Spock and and, and having fun with each other.
0: To me, as I, as I was growing up on Star Trek, that turns my stomach. You know, yeah. Not not necessarily that I would have any problems if they were gay. No, no, no. It's but not, it's just uh, yeah. like it, you know. It's it's unwholesome. It's unholy well, it's, it's, to lay it's, with another man, and that's in Euclidean's.
1: That. <laughs> that's in Euclidean's. T- well, you're right, Ken. You're obviously very open-minded about it, given that stance Yes. No, but it's more like it's more like uh, those uh, <coughs> questions about you know uh, parents and such, and catching them, and, and and the discomfort you might find. Right. Right. So you're exactly. more of a role model. Uh, thing I would assume for right. you, yeah. Sure. For me, I don't care.
0: He's an American icon, James Kirk. He's he is a indeed. hero,
1: and and William Shatner I think is one of the most brilliant actors in the last. He makes years. a lot of good decisions. He oh, does. Oh man, is he smart? Yeah. So anyway, that is the first, you know, part of this uh, little game we play, where you <laughs> heard the scene, you got a sense of what was going on, and you can picture what the scene was like with Kirk in the chair and Spock and all that stuff. But we decided to put that through Google Voice. And see how Google Voice would interpret that dialogue. That
0: dialogue. Now, Dave will play the part of Captain James T. Kirk. Indeed. And I will play the Vulcan Mrs. Garrett from S- Shelter Rock
1: Elementary <laughs> School cafeteria. So why don't Spunky. we read? Yeah. Why don't we read? Okay. <clears throat> Set the scene. And now. So a lawyer we should be sending a report hey or something wrong if you get my mac that's it a little little higher which i'll try if you get this you know let's touch
2: hey the hey
1: i don't know that i'm gonna call him as i'm going to hear when she was
0: going through my last fremont This is Mark Room, and Lord,
1: is not on the arrest my phone set. So that is, that scene from Star Trek, as filtered through Fun with Google Voice.
0: Fun with Google Voice.
1: Uh, Now, now whereas there was a lot of meaning in the show itself Mm -hmm. regarding peace between nations and different cultures getting together and coexisting happily, And in that scene, there may have been a slight undercurrent of homoeroticism. What we just did right now, I don't think had anything going for it. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty bad. There were no messages in there. No, none at all.
0: Maybe the only message in in there was that uh, Fremont, this is Mark Ruman board, Mm -hmm. is not the arrest my phone set.
1: Yeah, I think that it speaks for speaks itself. Speaks for itself. Yeah, it's self explanatory. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like that. That's it. A little, little higher.
0: I think that's it. A little, little higher. <laughs> <laughs> not just much higher. A well, little, little higher.
1: Yeah, I think we've exhausted all we can out of that little. Yeah, scene, that's Ken. not
0: much of a Google Voice segment. No,
1: but that's then again, we wanted to kind of like get right to our guests. So we did. We love so her so much. That. Now, yeah. if you do want to call us, give us a call three four seven eight two nine punk or Three four seven eight two nine seven eight six five. If you are alphabetically challenged, Ken, let me tell you something. When we come back, tell me what we're doing. When we come back, oh, Ken, David, I, it's Koenig. real simple. Ken, Koenig. thank you for saying my name correctly. It makes me as feel opposed, as opposed as to
0: Koenig, which reminds me of a
1: pine cone for some reason. There's a lot of tricks and fun people used to have with my name, believe me. Oh, I'm, me. Sure. Oh, I'm sure. When we come back. We are going to be joined by Juliet Landau, actor director, Hollywood royalty, in my mind. And we'll talk about her project, Take Flight. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you're going to learn a lot. And, and I think you should know about this project because it's a heck of a lot of fun. That's right. Hey, you are listening to the Commercials Frank podcast, the commercials.tv and the magic of iTunes can take us out. Take Edison, listen, pull thrust, take us out.
2: Thanks.
0: Your grandfather's in the backyard
2: urinating. Your
0: grandmother's washing her socks, even though she's got none. Your father is kissing the priest out in his Chevy parked in the driveway. Your mother's tired on the 5th or 6th, Tom Collins. And I'm talking about the man, not the drink. It's Thanksgiving at your house. This is how it always goes. Don't you want to kill
1: yourself? the commercials free podcast the commercials.tv and the magic of itunes hey ken that's our music that's right you know what that means that means it's time for us to do our podcast to podcast segment now the rules of this segment are as such yes we enjoy some time with a guest who either a has a podcast b is involved in a podcast in some way c has ever heard a podcast or d can. Has absolutely nothing
0: to do with the podcast whatsoever.
1: Those are the strict rules, and we stick to them. This week, we are thrilled. We've got, I kind of like to say, some Hollywood royalty on the show this week. Oh, sure. You could say that. A multi talented person, an actress who you may know from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, Angel, the spinoff. She was an Ed Wood, uh, but we're going to talk to her today mostly about her directorial effort, uh, a short film called Take Flight. And uh, well, we're going to find out all about it. Please welcome to the show, Juliet Landau. Juliet, thanks for joining us.
3: Of course. Thank you so much.
1: The pleasure's ours. It is indeed. Now, you have a short film um, we, we sort of talked about a little bit before, uh, but tell us exactly what Take Flight is.
3: Yeah, okay. Um, well, Gary Oldman directed a music video for a Jewish hip-hop band which he shot entirely on cell phones. And he approached me and asked me to direct the making of. And when I got into the editing room and, and looked at the footage that I'd gotten, I got very excited because there was an extremely rare POV um, in, in, in the nature of what the material was. And so I went to Gary and asked if it could develop into a short documentary film. And he gave me his blessing and, and Take Flight was born.
1: Hmm. Wow. Um, when when he came to you and talked to you about it um was this something that that you had any idea was going to happen in the first place or was that sort of out of the blue or, or what, how I, did that develop
3: I, yeah um i um had met um Deborah weeks was shooting the video with Gary he was the dp mm-hmm. and basically knew that uh Gary wanted to have a making of and he um, uh, suggested me, and I met with Gary, and we made, immediately clicked and and he said, "Go for it." I, I jumped at the chance chance and uh, and then realized funnily enough after I said yes that even though I have been involved in multitudes of making of and and Buffy Angel, all different films, all, all kinds of stuff that I actually had never even watched one. <laughs> 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 and so I was, I've never even watched the ones I'm in and so I, I i realized that I needed to do some research and so I spent uh, a couple weeks basically holed up in my house and I watched every kind of uh, making of. I could get my my hand up hands on. I watched uh, music video making of. I watched film making of and then I watched lots of documentaries and documentary um, uh, I mean, director commentaries, and um, made a timeline, an outline of what I wanted to go after and uh, and had a blast doing it.
0: <laughs> That's great. How long has it been? Uh, how long have you been inv- involved with the, the, this process with Gary?
3: Well, it's been about i'd say nine months in terms of mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, when the video was shot. Um, The the video was shot over the course of three days, and I had three cameras chronicling all of the action, and then I also had access to all of the cell phone footage, and what was really amazing about it is that Gary um, operated one of the cell cams. And so that was, that's the incredibly rare POV I'm talking about. Sure, is that so right. it, it literally, yeah, it, it's like you're inside yes. his, his head and you're seeing through his eyes and it's this perspective that you would never have with a traditional camera. And so once I saw that footage, that's when I got really excited and that's when I was like, this has to be a documentary film. I, I had 50 hours of footage. Wow. And, oh my God. <laughs> It was crazy. It was mountains, and I basically, I watched all 50 hours three times through, wow. um, and, then, uh, and then got a real, a real clarity about the structure that I wanted to do and, and all of that, and, and then uh, sat with my editor side-by-side, side, you know, working to make that
1: happen. Wow. Now, you, since you have that PO uh, P- POV view... Uh, <laughs> P- I mean, or POV. Or POV. Um, <laughs> POV <view> sounds
3: good. <laughs> yeah, sure. Did you,
1: did you notice anything about what Gary's camera was seeing that was any different from what the others were seeing, or was there something unique about what he was doing that came to yeah. you once you watched them all?
3: Yeah, you know what's interesting? First of all, it, the, the framing is just beautiful. And what, what was cool is that the music video, um, the, 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 the band is called Chutzpah, and the, the music video is called Red Rover. And the way it's cut, it's very, very cutty, and it works Incredibly, like it, it's, it's perfect. When I saw the footage, I wanted... This, there's such beauteous footage that the whole sequence that I use at the end of the film, it's this sunset beach footage that literally looks like it's 35-millimeter film. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's breathtaking. And I, I really wanted to use longer more expansive pieces of sort of what what gary was seeing and um and and what i did with the structure is i i started where you just get kind of glimpses and then you get longer pieces and by the very end that's when you are completely released into his view so that's Mm. the sort of you know through line of the structure of the movie sure interesting
1: um do you see viability in, in more of these kind of films? I think when cell phone cameras first came out, they were grainy. They were, you know, the, the audio wasn't very good, but technology is getting so good that, uh, you know, I can see more of these movies being made. But, I mean, based on what you saw, I mean, it sounds like from that last shot you're talking about that the quality is, is almost there.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I, it really is developing quickly, and it's exciting because it really does level the playing field in terms of any, anybody with an idea can make something and doesn't have to deal with the prohibitive cost of, of camera equipment and a camera package and all of that stuff. Um, of course, it, it, it's tricky to make it look amazing. And part of the thing that's, that's um, compelling in the movie is all of Gary's ingenious ways and several Weeks in terms of how they came up with using um, <laughs> using the phone. Um, literally, um, uh, they tape it to a pole. You, you see Gary holding a pole where it's taped, so he does a sort of crane shot. Oh, cool. Um, yeah it's really cool. He uses a uh, um a wheelchair as a dolly <laughs> for a dolly shot. Oh, wow. um, he literally tapes the cell phone to his body and then <laughs> photographs the shadows on the ground i mean it's really inventive and wow. and it's sort of a how to if you're going to use this kind of camera it's definitely a kind of how to He does a whole thing where he actually uses a magnifying in front of the uh, lens in front of the camera lens to sort of blur stuff so it it's it's uh really incredibly
1: inventive sure sure um did did he does he explain how that concept came up where he'd want to go that direction
3: well uh, in terms of the documentary, I actually it was funny because I was going to have um, afterwards. I was going to basically um, interview um, Gary direct to camera. He said, "Yeah, you know, let let's do that after you have your cut." But when I looked at everything, I really felt that I didn't I didn't need him explaining stuff because you sort of saw it in the movie. You didn't need him to tell you what you were seeing in the movie. Oh, okay. um, but. In terms of uh, 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 my knowledge of that, he, he really came up with the idea because, as he said in the movie, it was a nano budget. He had, he had no money. Um, he's, he's friends with the band. They approached him to do the, the music video, and he was trying to figure out, what what could I do that would make this interesting? I have, I have no money. I couldn't do some, you know, huge, you know underwater aerial whatever you know i can't make this really grand grand and so um so what could i do that would make it really sort of cutting edge and interesting and that's when he came up with the idea of doing it on cell phones sure
0: um let me ask you this how familiar were you with the band hoots pop before you before production began
3: I did not know Hutzpa before uh, before the production, but then uh, as soon as I signed on, I I got their other music and I watched some of their uh, uh, videos and definitely made acquainted myself with them prior to stepping on set.
1: Hmm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I mean, and I'm sure now after watching. Uh, a total of 150 hours of the footage uh, between the three yeah, they're, different.
3: Yeah, they my best friends. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It feels like. right. I spend so much time with Gary
1: and Hoots, <laughs> Uh Now, having said that, I mean Gary's one of those actors who's like a real actors actor. He's always bringing something very different to the table. Yeah. Um. And 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 some people, you know, he he really gets into what he does, and and even in stuff that, you know, might someone else might just throw it away. He puts like tremendous layers on top of layers when he does his acting yeah. as a director. How does he relate, uh, to other actors?
3: Oh, I, well, I wonderfully, I mean, absolutely wonderfully because he, he is an actor. And so he's an actor's director or, or a, you know, subject in this case, it was a band, but, um, you know, he's, he's wonderful in that regard.
1: Hmm. Um, so now that you've done this process, Um, you know, you've had plenty of success as an actor. We've talked about Buffy the Vampire Slayer and and Angel, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but, but how is this, uh, doing in terms of your interest in, in directing and, and moving forward, uh, creating stuff on that side of the lens?
3: You know, I I loved it. I really loved it. Um, since that time, I, um, co-directed a music video with Debra Weeks and we, um, for the band Godhead and, um. We, I, I appear in it with the lead singer and we shot that. We shot that one on the, on the red camera and we shot it like a, a 1930s black and white silent movie. Very luminous looking and um, so that was great fun and then I've also uh, uh, we again have been co-directing a um, series of promo, cam- a promo campaign to time out with the, the release of Take Flight and I really enjoy it. I, I, I think I got bitten by the directing with this <laughs> process because I, I enjoyed um, having a vision and being responsible for the whole and really getting to bring that to life.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, some, some, a film like this, um, I guess, is, is, takes a little bit of um, yeah, a special effort to get people uh, uh, to, to come look at it, to come see it. I guess any independent film is going to have that same challenge. What are you doing to market the film?
3: Well, um, a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot of work in terms of uh, all, all kinds of press, all kinds of um, getting to chat with all different people, which has been uh, really fun. And then I am also um, uh, uh, had put together this promo campaign that I, I just mentioned. And basically what it is is a sister project where Take Flight is about Gary's creative process. And so I am interviewing other artists that i admire about their creative process and then um, the very last question is how would you market a film about gary oldman jewish hip-hop and cell phones and we're getting the funniest array of answers <laughs> and it's been it's been really great and um I've had a blast actually working on it have incredible people um Michael Rosenbaum who played Lex Luthor for seven seasons on Smallville, Armin Schimmerman who was um um principal Snyder on Buffy and also Quark on Deep Space Nine. Oh that's right. Kat Von D. Sorry. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Kat Von D, those are the three that are out already, and uh, uh, Christian Kane, who's the star of Leverage, Amy Acker, who people would know from many things, Angel, and Alias, and Dollhouse, and, and now uh, she's on a show called Happy Town, mm-hmm, and that's right. um, t- we we directed 12 of them, and just wonderful, wonderful, interesting interviews that I'm actually still <laughs> finishing up and editing and, and getting uh, getting ready to... To release one like every other day or so we're going to we'll probably wait a few days extra for the Oscar you know the Oscar mayhem to uh, to calm down a little bit sure and, yeah, uh, sure, that's
2: probably
1: a good idea yeah, yeah. yeah you <laughs> yeah. might have a little bit of competition getting people to talk <laughs> about films yeah? <laughs> yeah although we have no problem talking about you know projects like yours and and that's the kind of stuff I think Ken and I both really really like um let's let's talk about your acting career uh you, you know you you have uh had quite a bit of success. You, you've you've jumped right in. You've had uh, recurring roles on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. You were in Ed Wood, one of my favorite movies. And um, in terms of that, um, what project do you think you feel most proud of? That you feel most fond of? Which one do you look back and say, "Man, I am so glad I did that."
3: You know, it's hard to pick one, but I, I would say I definitely working with Tim Burton on Edward, um, he's unbelievable to work with, and right. it really is like an actor's dream. You know, it, it, it's when you get to work on, on stuff like that, it's like, oh, this is, you know, why I I do what I do and why I, I became an actor. And But also working with Joss Whedon on Buffy and Angel, again, um, he is such a talent and has such a vision, and as an actor, you know what world you're fitting into um, that it just makes your job so, you know, uh, um, easy and also uh, delicious (laughs) because it's really fun. And also, I think, it it was a guest star, but I had an incredible time. I worked with um, Joel Cerno, who is the creator of 24. Mm, and. He created a show, um, based on the French movie La Femme Nikita, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, my other their line is ringing, but there's not supposed to be anybody calling on this <laughs> one, but, so ignore the beats. Um, he, he, um, did La Femme Nikita, his first, his, uh, first directorial effort was directing an episode of that show, which he created, and I, um... I uh, got to work with him there, and it was an actor. Two or two, I played two different characters, mm. and they were really different. One was you know, very fragile and, and delicate and weak and dying of leukemia, and the other one was this tough terrorist chick, and then the one had to infiltrate and become like the other. It was almost like three characters, and it was just wow, so, nice. so much fun. Yeah, that, so,
0: being able to do that type of thing where you're, it sounds really exciting as an actor. It's a very exploratory yeah. type of
3: thing so much and it was it really was like it was it like like a summer stock or something because literally we were shooting in canada and shooting you know long days and, and flopping back and forth between the two characters so you just had to stay really focused and concentrated and i just i ate it up i had the best time working on that as that well that's
2: great so um those are, those
3: are some of them and and i've been fortunate to get to work with such you know talented people and and um and I can't wait to see Alice, of Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's that's really something we've
0: been looking Absolutely. forward to.
3: Absolutely. You
1: know, we
0: grew up on Tim Burton. He's just like a, a yeah. big, we're a big fan. Um, you, you took a character from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, its spinoff Angel, both created by uh, Josh um, Whedon. Uh, they both have like cultish followings. Mm-hmm. Um, whats What's been your relationship with those hardcore fans of those shows?
3: you know it's been fantastic um it it had the beau shows have such an avid fan base and it's really wonderful because it's first of all a huge, wide demographic of people in terms of ages and and countries and cultures and I mean it, it's it's incredible. You have someone come up to you who's ninety five and enjoys the show, and someone who's literally you know there with their their seven year old that watches the show. <laughs> and so it's it's really amazing in that way. And um, and you know not that that many shows have that. And no, and no. It, people. No, it's, it's inc- and people really want to follow you into your other projects. I mean, the support for Take Flight has been unbelievable. And now with the way, you know, everything's sort of changing in the industry and, and being able to communicate with people directly on Twitter and Facebook and, you know, and, and have, you know, a, a, an immediate um, connection about whatever project you're working on, it's, it's pretty phenomenal.
0: Yeah, there's been there there's such an, an amazing following, uh, uh, especially people that were into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They are very, I would say, loyal fans. Uh, They're what fans? Oh,
3: sorry, what uh, loyal,
0: lo- very loyal, yeah. loyal fan uh, fans. I have a friend of my sister's. I told him we were going to be talking to you today. And he was kind of like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" <laughs> god because he was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. I mean, just ridiculously so. Um, He had all the posters and every season on DVD. So, you know, he was educating me about what was going on.
1: So you'll get a phone call later. Yeah. How was
0: it? How was it? How was it? How did it go?
1: (laughs) And I'm guessing that that generationally you'll have new people coming and, and becoming fans of yours just because of the proliferation of DVDs. Of, yeah. of series and things like that as opposed to in the past when a show might have a cult following but uh, there was no real way to get copies of shows unless somebody happened to videotape it uh, exactly. yeah, like a when it
3: first kind aired. Of thing. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's really, it, it is kind of amazing that there is the, this whole new generation of people that, that say, oh, well, you know, I just started, I've now just started watching the episodes uh, for the first time and, and it's, it's um, that is, is a, that's an interesting distinction. I actually hadn't thought of that before, but you're right.
0: Yeah. So what would I'm curious. I'm sorry, Dave. I stepped on you for a second. because I'm very curious about... Since you said... I believe you said at the beginning of, of the interview that you hadn't watched any of your work in Buffy or, or Angel, correct?
3: I watched my work, but basically I, I hadn't watched any of the extras, any of the making ofs. Um, oh, in terms of. Oh, Okay. Okay. What, I, what I basically usually do with my work is I'll watch it kind of once afterwards mm-hmm. and then move on. I don't, I don't sort of keep watching it because I, I want to move on to other new things. Where, mm-hmm. I, where I'll watch it is, in, in, for instance, in the course of Buffy, I, after each episode, would wrap. Um, often James and I uh, Would go And we'd watch All the dailies For that episode hmm. And I'd watch everything To basically say, Okay this is what I'm working with And yeah this I like And it's working And maybe I'll do A little less of this But a little more of that Like I'd basically Use it as In terms of The ongoing development Of the character
2: okay. And so
3: I would Use it as a tool um, And that's basically it And then every now and then For some reason Whenever I'm in England um, the show plays uh, Hugely there, and so I'll be at the gym or something, and then it'll be some episode where I'm, you know, I don't know, looking James or David, and I look up and there it is, and I'm, oh my god! <laughs> wow,
0: that must be a creepy experience for you. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, just a little, just and, and 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 obviously you're not one of those actors who watches their own work and just absolutely just. You know, smiles and says, "Oh, look at me! I'm so awesome," which is great. You know, I like people who are humble, exactly. and and you know, who who just work and 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 treat it uh, with with that kind of respect, but but aren't so full of themselves that they're they're begging people to you know, they're, you don't know, have like a set up a TV on the street and say, "Hey, would you come watch me?" Because I'm so good. No, no.
3: definitely um, not.
1: And and I think that the fact that you have reached a level of success without being like well, see, that Dave is, does is, that with his I own do that. He does that yeah. I mean, sometimes easy. I'll just Can take you? a picture of myself with a Polaroid and just start walking around just a mall handing them and out. showing people. And yeah. signing them. Yeah, yeah. Right. even though how's, they don't How's know that
3: it. working out for you? Is that going well?
1: I've been asked to leave several malls. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's been escorted out by security. I have. Yeah. Um, now, look, your parents are both very successful actors. They both have pretty extensive careers and have been involved actually in some cult projects themselves, uh, including your father who was also in Ed Wood. Um, How much of their careers influenced your decision to become an actor?
3: Well, it was interesting. I, I never thought I would be an actor. I thought that was their thing. And I was a dancer. I was always a performer. I was a ballerina before I was an actress. And... Then I started taking acting classes, and I absolutely loved it. And I was starting to find the dance world a little bit insular in terms of just feeling like once I got into acting class, I loved the idea of using physicality as a part of a a character or a part of a whole, but also getting to have a verbal exchange, getting to talk about conceptual ideas, getting to all of that stuff really, really sort of fed me. And um, I always approached dancing, I think, as an actor, in Mm. terms of even though I was technically proficient, it was really about expressing something, and so so then I I uh started doing a lot of theater work and and um embarked on an acting career and and obviously I think from growing up around it had observed and and taken in a lot about it.
1: I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean it's almost like you can. I mean my my dad owns a company where he sells uh lighting fixtures to uh different uh, uh, retail uh, places, like big big chain stores and things like that. And as much as I don't necessarily think about it, I find myself looking at different lighting fixtures when I go into places just because of osmosis as much as anything right, else. So, it's yeah, it's
3: part of you. It was part of your knowledge. And yeah. Exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah. Um, so what, their careers, what, what do you think you took most from them individually or, or together um, that's helped you as you built your career? Um, what, what, what lessons did you learn from them?
3: I, I think to really stay connected to why you do what you do. Um, the the business side of this industry, it can be difficult. And so if you really stay connected to the, the spark of, of what you're passionate about and, and why you want to do this and the work itself, um, I think it's. That that sustains you, and and also I think. I I didn't go into this with uh, stars in my eyes. I I definitely was not like someone, you know, know, arriving off a bus or a plane or whatever (laughs) and thinking it was all going to be just a smooth sail. I mean, my dad had, you know, uh, worked a lot, worked with Hitchcock and then was on Mission Impossible and then had years where he wasn't working. He literally couldn't get an agent. He was um, guest starring on shows like, you know... um, the the globe Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island, you know, what I mean? <laughs> oh, like, it wasn't exactly right. like the pick of, you know, <laughs>
1: oh. you know, it's funny uh, cause know. Cause at at our and, level, you know, I and, and and I mean Ken and mine, and and certainly not yours. You know, it's so it's so common to hear people struggle to find an agent or find, you know struggle to get work or go two years without. I mean, I've gone a couple of years without jobs, uh, like it's like it's water. Um, but to think of somebody like your dad who has had so much success and 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 later obviously uh, won an Oscar for for him yeah. to go through that is almost is almost comforting in a strange way. It is.
3: Yeah. No, it's I mean, and it's really is sort of the truth of the business in terms of the ebbs and flows and the difficult Patches and the, you know, dealing with perception. And at that point, it was like, oh, he had been on a series, and he has been. And it's like, well, no, he's really not. He's a talented person. He just needs a role that right. would actually show that. You know, it, it, the, so I think for me, having witnessed that, I certainly um, went into this with my eyes wide open and said, you know, this is something I, I really want to do. And. I think that's the only reason to do this because if you don't want to do it, there's probably lots of easier things to do.
1: I'll say, yeah, yeah. oh, for you sure. Know, me- yeah, meanwhile, so, at the same so, time, I'm like, man, I would love to get cast on the next Harlem Globetrotters meet the Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island. I'm yeah. I mean, like, that's a great gig. <laughs> that is Are you kidding me? Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's all okay. Perspective. You know what?
3: That was actually probably one of the high... There was like, sort of like a. I don't even know what it was. Some. I mean, there's definitely some things within there that he's always wonderful in, but certainly it wasn't, you know, getting to play Bela Lugosi, uh, working with Tim Burton or Tucker with Francis Ford Coppola it was definitely, you know, a, a different, a different time period where it was far and few between with jobs, and then the jobs weren't, you know, necessarily.
1: Ideal. Sure, sure. Right. Now, I mean, but no matter what he has done or, or ever will do, just just from me to you, your father will always be an idol to me. Simply because he did the show or he was on the show Space nineteen ninety nine. Now, my last name I've always felt was kind of unusual. People would never know how to look at it or pronounce it. They would think that I just I made read. it up. But he played a guy named Commander John Koenig, and for me, that was like my life. Has meaning. meaning yeah. That's
2: right. <laughs>
1: so, so thank you. On you know, please pass along my thanks to your father for for proving that my name was not made up. Actually, and yeah, you know Juliet,
0: that's on Dave's actual work resume. It is. It is that John Landau played a character with the same last name as Martin him. Landau. Martin. Martin. Martin Landau. That's, John. Why did I say? You said
1: John because it's John oh, uh, uh, yeah, Yeah.
3: But That's crazy. That's funny. Yeah. No, that makes sense because it's definitely not a usual you know, that people wouldn't necessarily be familiar with it.
1: Yeah. No, no. But for me, it was like, oh my god, I'm on TV. <laughs> 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 where can people find uh, you online and your project?
3: It is um, at Juliet Landau's TakeFlight dot com.
1: Juliet Landau's dot com. We definitely have that on our website as well. And uh, where can they find you specifically?
3: They can find me at com.
1: It's amazing how the web one. works, isn't it? It's just what it is. That one's easier. The, yeah. The
3: Juliet Landau's dot com is definitely, it's the, the title of the movie is take flight so that's why. And there's no apostrophe or anything. It's all just one word. Juliet Landau's take okay. We will
1: look for that. Juliet, thanks so much for coming on and spending some time with us and telling us about your project.
3: I had a great time. It was really fun hanging out with you guys. Awesome. Glad
1: you could do it with us. And, uh, we really, really appreciate it. Please do check out Juliet's movie, uh, take flight. And, um, boy, uh, we couldn't be happier with, uh, with this. That's right. Uh, Ken, when we come back, we're gonna talk about, I think we're gonna talk about my my uh, my war with the banking industry. I would love to hear about it, I can't we? Yeah, I'm sure you can. I can't. You work. are listening to the commercials free podcast on the commercials.tv and the magic of iTunes. Ken, take us a break. Let's
2: go. <laughs>
0: Out. I don't know a lot about the internet I'm trying to print out these MP3s So I can put them on my Twitter
1: Hey, can you help me out? I could use a little assistance with my mouse You see, I plugged it into my MP3 port And I cut the wire Does that help? I wondered
0: if you can help me Post my picture on Facebook You see, I've got her in the PDF format And it's on my bank card I need to transfer it off of there
1: Hey! I got a good question Why do they call it a wave When it never waves back? I got a question
0: Why do they call it a JPEG? But it's neither a jag nor a peg.
1: Oh, this is my life.
0: I don't know a damn thing about what's going on. All I know is I am over 35. Hey, I don't know and what's Going on with these infernal things I know I want to start my business And start it on the internet
1: Hey, let me ask you a question I wanted to go to Amazon.com Do I put that into Google first?
0: If I want to go to Amazon, does that mean I have to pay for an internet connection? Or oh, because I'm shopping and spending my money with Amazon, give me a connection for free? No, they won't. Let me ask you, when you're selling stuff on eBay, does the money get printed out of the computers for you to spend when somebody buys your thing on eBay? This is my life. I'm over 35 years old. I just got a computer last year. I wish I was much like those younger kids. They got all that computer stuff figured out already. Hey, by the way, can I borrow your flashlight? So I can back up some files. Why don't you give me a question, baby? I will give you the
2: answer, too. Why don't you give me what I want? Ask me a question. One, two, one, two.
1: Back here on the Commercials free Podcast. The Commercials Not TV and the magic of iTunes. Hey, Ken, how good was julia landau was she ever and uh man we hope you will check out her website julia landau or julia landau's take flight, flight. uh find out all about that project with gary oldman very cool very very cool yeah. and uh just yeah, it was a great conversation and uh we, we can't be happier that she was on not to gloat not to gloat not but to me and dave have, were actually a part of that production. Well, now we can let it now now it can be known is yeah. that you know uh She's mentioned these little interviews that they've been doing, and Ken and I were fortunate enough to be involved in the process of, of, of uh, creating those right. little interview pieces, yeah. uh, and um, we won't tell you which one, because that's not... That's for or, you to know That's for you to figure out. But, uh, you know, that we are involved in Well, I'll tell you what, whoever saves the up so the most block top, box tops and socks we'll tell you which parts That's going to be the gift that we will give to you, should... You figure it out and get those block twops. You know, block Swaps, so yeah. so and by um, the way, no throwing plumps. No plump. Um, so for as much as we're happy about uh, Julie Landau and, and our involvement in that project in some small way. Um, you have some hurt inside you, don't you? I'm, I'm, I'm a raging ball of fire. Yeah. I am uh, an angry cuss at the moment. Hmm. And uh, I'll tell you why. I am a banking customer. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to say which bank, cause I don't want us to get in trouble, and I may need them someday. <laughs> but <laughs> you're such a wuss. No, I'm not going to say. It. I'm not yeah, going to mention. All yeah, right. Not well, you know names.
0: that's that's very level-headed and reasonable of you, but you know
1: the story speaks for itself. Speech. And you know what? It is it 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 is a universal story. I know it's happening to customers at banks all over the place. Right. Now we have. A few bank <clears throat> accounts. Okay. With this one bank, one 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 account we have set aside so that I can business expenses. I, I take care of it. And and my business expenses sometimes can be very small, like two dollars for parking in the city mm-hmm. uh, on the on the sidewalk. Um, it turns out that over the weekend, I discovered that my account was over the limit by fifty cents. Okay. And, uh, by the way, if you're noticing the sound of, uh, uh, like, the beach, the, the waves crashing against the beach, it's, uh, ignore it. It's just Ken going back and forth in his chair. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even notice. Wow. Is that what that noise was? That's what that noise was. You know, was.
0: as I was doing it, I was like, what the hell is that noise? Yeah,
1: don't do it anymore. Okay. You're ruining my groove here. Sorry. So, I noticed over the weekend that my account was over by 50 cents. Right. 50 cents. Uh, literally. Okay. That exact number. Uh, We had some pending uh, things coming up, and uh, I was like, oh, boy, I don't want to get in trouble here. So I transferred some money out of our other account into this account to cover the things that were going to be debited uh, to come come. so that we wouldn't be over the limit. I figured, Mm -hmm. hey, they didn't uh, tell us that's a problem yet, so obviously I'm in the clear if I cover those expenses. That's Right. Right. Which is the right responsible thing to do. that's the responsible thing to do, is Mm what we we thought. Monday malls... I'm still angry. What does Monday do? Monday rolls around, and it turns out the bank saw that we were under by 50 cents and automatically assigned us an over-the-limit fee. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That fee, $36. Oh, my God. Now, granted, I did a little... uh, accounting error apparently. Mm-hmm. I didn't keep track of what I was doing and I obviously went over by 50 cents. Mhm. Fine. Right. I'll take it. I made a mistake. That over the limit fee was taken out. Then those pending debits, oh my god, were then counted and each one of those debits was 35 bucks. 36 dollars each oh my god. so the money that I went put in there to cover the fact that I was 50 cents over the limit I got nailed for a hundred and forty dollars plus oh my god a hundred and forty dollars <laughs> because I was over by 50, 50 cents that is
0: ludicrous
1: I you know and and, and that's what I thought So I Mm -hmm. called up the local branch, and I spoke to the people who we deal with uh, often, and they immediately started saying stuff like, well, you see, what you did was you went over the limit. And I said, I understand that. I went over the limit. I'll take it. If I went over the limit, that's fine. It was over by 50 cents. I understand the rule. I'll get banged for one of those over-the-limit fees. But I took care of it. When I saw I was over by under by 50 cents, I put in enough money to cover what I said I was gonna, what I had promised to pay.
2: Right.
1: I'm sorry, we can't do anything for you. Oh my God. No, 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 listen to me. This is ludicrous. 50 cents should not turn into 140 some odd dollars. In a matter of how long? Like that. That's the opposite of an investment. <laughs> That's exactly right. That is exactly <laughs> it. You put your money in a bank because you want it to be safe. <coughs> <clears throat> what happens these days is you put your money in the bank and it's as if you are putting it next to a bomb that is about to go off Exactly, because you're never going to see it again and it's probably going to cause more damage than you bargained for in the first place. Right. So I got off the phone with the local branch and I decided to call the main customer service number, wherever the heck they are. Right. Started talking to this girl and she's like, oh, I'm really sorry about that. Let me look into it. Maybe it's a bank here. You know, I'm like, Oh, okay, maybe they're going to look into it. Maybe they're going to do something. I'm sorry, I talked to my supervisor and she said, he said there's nothing we could do about it. Oh. So I'm like, let me talk to the supervisor. He gets on. He's like, yeah, I understand you had some problems. I understand you're upset about things. I'm like, look, I'm not just upset. This is insane. 50 cents over the <laughs> limit. You cannot charge people 140 some odd dollars because they went over the limit by 50 cents, especially when they made the effort to fix it. Exactly. There's no way to fix it. I was absolutely dead in the water. Right. Absolutely dead in the water because you took out The over limit fee the money that I put in Disappeared and it couldn't mm. cover the money That I ah. Right no that's like ridiculous <sighs> You can't control I mean First of all I'd be really pissed off if I were you I'm still right did, I'm you, still. did you recover anything no At the end of the conversation the guy said I'm sorry I can't do anything for you I said you know what Then I'm gonna have to take my business elsewhere He's like well we really don't want you to do that and I was like It doesn't seem that way You oh know my if god you- Really, I'm like okay, here's and actually like, I was like giving ultimatums and stuff like that to see if I could just trigger something in this guy right, to right. have a heart and understand that fifty cents should not equal hundred forty right. some odd dollars so I said look okay, you have a choice here you could do the right thing uh-huh. and eliminate three of those fees I'll take the one that that was triggered when I went under by fifty cents right I'll take the thirty six dollars. But for me to be charged for three more overdraft charges when I tried to make good on it, it's just wrong. Right. So you have a choice to either do the right thing or you be responsible for the fact that I am leaving and taking my business <laughs> elsewhere. He goes, I'm not taking responsibility for that. And I said, you're the person I'm going to speak to blast at this company. <laughs> so, I... I still can't understand how this could possibly okay, be okay. And what it amounts to is these systems that they have that are set up, I think they are literally set up to screw people out of as much money as they can. I am.
0: I wouldn't disagree with that at all. And, you know, that reminds me of a great you – know, talk about uh, fortitude in sticking to your guns. Mm-hmm. A lot of people make threats. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will walk into restaurants and say, you know, and I love because I'll watch them. They'll say, ah, this isn't fresh food. This isn't fresh. I own a business. I know a lot of people. You get a lot of business through me. I'm telling everyone I know not to go there. You know, when someone says that, it's mostly bullshit. Right, right. My grandfather lived in Manhasset for 50-odd years. 50-odd, indeed. And... We had a little bank branch up there called, you might remember it, Dime Bank. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he had an account there. And I mean, the man did not believe in credit cards. Every piece of liquid cash was in those accounts. <laughs> and one day, and this is another thing. He was great because he used to be an NYPD cop. He was a detective sergeant. Mm-hmm. So he loved flashing that badge. Oh, sure. Because not only was it like I was an NYPD cop, but his seniority was, you know, you respect an older cop. Absolutely. And he went into Dime Bank one time, and they said something pretty reasonable to him. They said, um, Mr. Dottola, or he, he he looked through his book and something and said, hey, what's this $2 thing? It mm-hmm. was a mistake. He's like, oh, from now on, we got to start charging $2 a month for certain accounts, you know, under certain things. He didn't even bat an eye. And he said, close the account. Give me all my money right now. Good for him. There was like half a million in there. They were like, he was like, put it up. I'm going. And they're like, no, 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 no. He's like, I've made my decision. I want the money now. And then he flashes the badge. And everyone's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, of course, they never charged him Another red penny. Good for him. For any, anything anymore, and you know, that's that's the thing that that frustrates you is not having feeling powerless. Yeah, yeah. To say, listen, asshole, mm-hmm. this is not fair, and I won't stand by it. And you know, sta- basically, it's like staring someone down. Right. Because they do, they probably get so many calls from people. You know, yeah, you in your situation a day, you know. yeah, and they they have to say just just tell you know ease him off, say I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. Right? They probably get so many calls like that yeah. a day, and even when he took my mother out to um, what's a big steakhouse on Northern Boulevard, Peter Luger. Yeah, Peter Luger. Yeah, he, he got a gift certificate, right? Uh uh-huh. And they ate like seventy-five dollars worth of food uh-huh. between the two. Easy to do there. Easy to do there. Yeah. Great food. Yeah. But my grandfather's like, all right, here's a $100 gift certificate. I want the change back for it. <laughs> and they're like, no, sorry, I'm sorry, it's a gift certificate. We don't give change back gift certificates. And he's like, oh, oh, really? He's like, let me speak to the manager. <laughs> and he pulls the manager aside, pulls out the badge. Nice. He's like, you want to be written up for uh, conning customers out of money?
1: Nice. <laughs>
0: He even had static in his voice. He was so scared. That's scary. <laughs> and he got
1: his $25 back. Good for See, that's the kind of stuff that now,
0: I wish I had going for me. The thing is, you can't show that type of dominance over the phone.
1: No, you can't.
0: you got to go into a branch, and you've got to raise hell. Right. I mean, within the l- limit of them not having to call the actual police. Yes, exactly. You know, Exactly. Uh, uh, defeating the purpose, but you have You know nothing is more effective at persuasion than person to person. Because do you know how many calls they get
1: like that a day? I'm with you, but here's here's the problem: is that especially big banks, Mm -hmm. especially nowadays, where there are these few giant banks that have thousands of branches, and there's incredibly intricate tiers of command Mm -hmm. to where you can't possibly make a dent in their. Business Exactly. With one person. See, when things were small, and I'm starting to sound like an old geezer by we'll, saying stuff like this. We'll but cold. when things were small, mm-hmm. and you knew you could find and talk to the president of that bank directly because he lived in that town or something like that. Right. Then you had some recourse because that president's like, well, I don't want everybody in this town taking their money out of my bank. I better, mm-hmm. you know, do this guy I do right by this guy. Exactly. Was, yeah, he's, he's yeah. going to cause me to lose a ton of money. I felt like, okay, I'm going to threaten to take my money out of here. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> do it. Oh, we're so
0: scared, yeah. you know. Ooh, yeah. It's like, you know, how you, are
1: we going to make up for that $300? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so. How are we going to make
0: up for your $300 in savings? Right, you know, right. and and it's 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 really rough to be well, it's it's hard enough being an artist in New York, actor in New York, where it's like those things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you are borrowing from John to pay Paul, yeah. And then you're when you do get money, it's right. like ah, and then Ringo and you comes cover over the bills. and it's like I
1: need to buy a new drum skin, exactly, yes. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. And you know, it's it's like uh, you know when, when it's it's funny. I, I've noticed that this is something with artists and actors. It's like we'll all go for a long time without getting paid, mm-hmm. then we'll get paid a whole bunch. Low, of course, yeah. yeah. You know, and then we cover all the bills and for that to happen is even more frustrating mm. for someone that doesn't make a consistent income. True. You know? True. I mean, it's got to be frustrating for anybody. Yeah, absolutely. But um, absolutely horrible. And Dave, you know, just for for that, I think I'm going to play you a song to
1: soothe the savage beast Well, this is a song you. we've been talking about. Right. right. Yeah. <clears> this is <throat> a little, little... Well, I wanted to introduce it as kind of a gift to you. Well, I appreciate that, Ken. I appreciate the fact that we're finally able to, to share this with... Right. With 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 people on a podcast, I think we hope you like it, and there's a lesson to be learned. There is a lesson in all to of be this. Learned.
0: Imagine there's no banking, no debit cards, No bullshit, and nothing to
2: deal with overdrafts.
0: I'm kind of getting Tom Waits on there. Just do your thing, it's free.
1: Imagine all the
2: people
1: withdrawing
2: all their cash.
0: Ching, 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 ching,
2: imagine there's...
0: No overdraft fees Yeah, right
1: I can imagine I'll tell you
0: Imagine everything was cool Imagine if you put 50 cents in your account And then took out 75 Hey man, it's cool It's just a quarter anyways
1: Imagine all the people putting their money under their mattress. You.
0: you may say I'm a dreamer. Hey, but Ken, you know what? What? You're not the only one. Well, that's good to hear, because I felt all alone in this.
1: Not a a bit, sir. I
0: hope someday you'll join us. And the banking industry won't be a bunch of dicks.
1: (laughs) That's our little ditty about the banking industry and, uh... Here's my advice to you. Take all your money out of the bank and put it into uh, uh, a, a, a much safer prospect. A large like, sack in the garage. Like a, like a horse at the track. I think that's probably <laughs> a safer way to, you know. Um, there, you know, Walk down the street and just lay it on the sidewalk as you pass <laughs> by. That's probably There's more safer of a chance it'll be there yeah, when there, you come back. Then if you put it in a bank like the one I go to yeah. that charges overdraft fees that are completely... Absolutely ridiculous. And the yeah. one movement that I like, that I keep hearing about, and it's actually gaining momentum, is the idea of people taking their money out of big banks and putting them into credit unions. Yeah. And that's actually something we're going to do. Yeah. and That's a good idea because, you know, they're, they're changing a lot of things because
0: big banks have a horrible rap right now. And they, they deserve are, it. And they totally deserve it. To a point where now... If you default on an account and you get things get messed up for you, mm-hmm. the government will provide you with a checking account, so you're able to overcome something that the banks might have screwed up, or a foreclosure, or something. People trapped in those instances can't get a proper checking account. No, you're and right. You cannot survive without a checking account. That's true. You can't get paid in cash. You no, know. No. So so they're starting to make these changes, and I think eventually it will lead to the demise of this ridiculousness that you for instance had to deal with.
1: I'd say go small, go local and enjoy a relationship with an institution that actually values your participation and cares, yeah. and cares because that's the only way that us little folks mm-hmm. can have any sense of control over any of the situation. That's just right. You tell your money where to go. Don't just let your money fly out the window. Exactly. That's my advice to you, and together we shall defeat the evil giant that is the big banking industry.
0: Well, you know who we should send after them. Who's that? Mrs. Garrett from Mrs. Sherlock Garrett, School. absolutely Let me write down what you did. A I G. Let me write down. Tell me if you this is right. You you you, you took funds from an account. To pay for an for, for for an offshore account from one of your executive's vacations, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm writing this down. You got one day of detention, and I'm going to let your parents know. That's
1: right. Here, let me let me find out if this is what you did. Citibank, is this what you did? You wrote up millions of dollars in bad assets, and then wrote them off, and then caused the entire U.S. economy to implode. Is that what you did? Is that what you did? And then you threw plums. <laughs> Power to the people. Power to the people. Because the worst part was the fact that they threw plums. The fact that they threw plums and then they charged us $140-some-odd for going over by 50 cents. I'm going to be mad about this for the next six months. And I think it is deservedly so, Dave. But if you want to join me, send me an email. Go to thecommercials.tv. Send me an email, info at thecommercials.tv, and you tell me... That you want to be part of this movement. Revolution. And we're going to take down the big banks together. And here is the the, the little jingle for that. It's
0: going to be, join Dave as he fights against the unnamed bank.
1: That's perfectly natural and considerate. That's all I (laughs) got to say. (laughs) Well, that's all the time we have. That is true. That's a commercial-free podcast. That is true, Ken. But it has been an awesome show. Got to thank Juliet Landau. Juliet Landau, amazing guest. Got to thank uh, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. We have to. Thank thank. Absolutely. we got to thank uh, 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 Walter Koenig for providing me with uh, a reason to pronounce my name the way I do. The Landau's. We have to jump the, the Landau family. That is correct. And then uh, we have to thank, of course, Mrs. Garrett. Mrs. Garrett, this show Head could not have happened without lady. you, my yes. friend. And uh, for all that you did for us growing up and keeping that cafeteria running ship shaped tightly wound. Operation that it was. That's and, right. Uh, you know, in retrospect, we love you. We love you, and we love you. And we hope you'll join us next week at the Commercials Free Podcast. Until then, Ken. <laughs>
2: Space the final protein. We'll see you next week.